recap um, last week's first, the definition of courage is the ability to do something that frightens you. Strength in the face of pain or grief. And we looked at a few women in the Bible that had courage and different types of courage. We talked about Mary, who was told that she was pregnant when she had never been with a man. And she said, let it be so, Lord. How that took courage. Courage when things are not turning out the way you planned. We talked about Jochebed, Moses' mom, who had to hide her baby in a basket when she could no longer hide him at home. And she had to push him down the river, not knowing what was going to happen and put trust in God. Walking in courage even when your child is in danger and you have to let him go. We talked about Abigail, who had heard that her husband disrespected David and she knew that punishment was going to come in some form or fashion. And she went down the hill and offered peace to David. Courage, doing what's right even though there may may be a price to pay. We talked about Jael, who was standing outside a tent by herself and saw the enemy of God approaching and she takes a spike and puts it through his head. Walking in courage when when it's time to stand up and fight. We also talked about Hannah, who went to, could not have a child, and she went to the um, synagogue to pray. And as she's beginning to pray, only her lips moved. No sound came out. She was silent, and the um, priest thought she was drunk. Walking in courage when it's time to remain silent and hand everything over to God. But sometimes it truly does take just as much courage to be quiet and still fight. So we talked about how these are different types of courage that we all want, right? We all thrive to be these courageous women, women of God. And so we started talking about, I had, um, I had read an article in Psychology Today that said the six attributes of courage. And I began to think, well, if these are six attributes of courage, then let me start there. I want to see what they are, see where I lack, and I want to see what I can do to make things better. So that's what we had started studying. The last week we just, um, talked about the number one was feeling fear yet choosing to act. Because fear is a human emotion. We're going to have times in our life where we're fearful. Sin is not in the feeling of fear, but it's in letting it take control and make you motionless. That is why God says so many times in his words, fear not. Because he knows it is an emotion that the enemy can use to minimize us. The next thought, thing we talked about last week is like, okay, we know we're going to have fear, but how do we get past it? Because we know it's going to come. We're human. And we talked about three things that we could do to help us step out and courage, even if you're feeling fear. One is recognizing who is on your side. We talked about Elijah when he was with with the servant, and they were surrounded by a great army, and Elijah prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah, remembering who is on our side. The next part was remembering past victories. If God did it before, God can do it again. And if we stand on what he's done so far in our lives in the past, 
that gives us courage to face the future. And the third step was know who you are in Christ. That same God that rescued Daniel in the lion's den is that same God who's going to rescue you. The same way he loved Daniel, the same way he had that relationship and cherished Daniel is the same way that he loves and cherishes us. Remember who you are. The second characteristics of courage is following your heart. And we talked about passion is what makes us do extraordinary things. It's the heart of courage. And passion causes reaction. So if we know passion causes reaction, we need to say, where is my passion? What am I passionate about? And if we're going to be courageous for the right things, we have to have a heart and mind set on the main thing. Our relationship with Jesus has to be our top passion. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And the third attribute was persevering in the face of adversity. Because, you see, we live in a world where we will have adversity. But we need to remember there's purpose in the adversity. If you're walking through it, God has an outcome already planned out. Don't give up. Nothing comes easy. Those who have walked courageously and won battles never did so by calm waters and smooth sailing. So that leaves where we left off that um, we're picking up with step number four. An attribute of courage is standing up for what is right. Standing up really for what's right I started thinking about this, and I thought, well, what would make me stand up for what's right? And it really comes down to what I believe in, what I totally believe in, what I believe in with that passion we talked about last week. Because if I believe something halfway, then I'm not going to stand up for it. So we got to believe in something totally. I remember this is just like a child's face, you know, God faith. God tells us to come to him like a child. I remember when Austin was about four or five. It was Christmas Eve. It was one of those rare Christmas Eves when it was warm. It was like 60 degrees outside. And he opens the kitchen door and I'm sitting there preparing for Christmas Eve and he stands there and he's standing there for a long time. And I finally stopped and was like, what are you doing? He said, waiting for the snow. And I said, honey, why do you think it's going to snow? He says, Christmas Eve. I said, well, just because it's Christmas Eve doesn't mean it's going to snow. He said, yeah, but um, it, it will. God's going to bring me snow. And I'm sitting there doing this. I'm like, okay, this is awkward. I'm like, honey, God's not going to bring snow. It's 60 degrees out. He looks at me with such faith and said, I know God's going to send me snow. I'm just standing here waiting for it. So then I'm doing this just thinking, oh, Lord, how do I deal with this? You know, I don't want to trivialize his little heart full of desire for snow. So as I'm sitting there thinking, Lord, give me wisdom, like how to, you know, and he's still standing there, just looking out. I am not lying. A, a cloud all of a sudden came over our house and snowflakes started falling. And my eyes get so big, I looked. He goes, yep, there it is. And he walks off and starts playing. <laughs> and literally after a few minutes, the clouds broke away. And started being like normal before. And I thought, wow, God, the faith of a child. I want to be that way. 
I want to be something where I believe in it with my whole being, and I'm going to stand firm, and I'm going to wait for it, and I'm going to stand up for it, and I'm going to be outspoken. That's the way we need to be. Total belief in truth, God's truth, requires studying God's Word. And I'll tell you from experience, the more you read it, the more God speaks. The more God speaks, the clearer truth becomes. See, the world is filled with lots of people standing up for things they believe in. I see it every day. They are adamant what they believe in, and they're standing up, and they have their picket signs, and they have their T-shirts, and they have all these things, but it is not in line with God's truth. There's a truth that we have that's my truth because it's self-serving or it's what I want to feel like I believe. It, it suits my lifestyle. It suits this. That, that's that truth. That's, that's my personal truth. But there is a divine truth that overrides all that. And until you get into God's Word, and I'm telling you, our kids and our grandkids, they are bombarded with that. They're bombarded as soon as they go to college and start studying that God's Word is not the ultimate truth. Truth is what you make it. Truth is different philosophies. We, as Christian women, we see that all the time on television, on shows we watch, in magazines we read. In order to overcome this, guys, and stand on the truth, we have to be getting in God's Word. I have met so many co-workers that look at me and say, oh, you go to church? And then they laugh and say, yes, I used to do that too. I used to go to the youth trips. I used to be in church every Sunday. And I said, really, what happened? And then they would even quote a scripture or two. And they said, oh, I went to college. I learned differently. Or it didn't work out. I was at, beside, we were camping one day, and I even saw a lady, and I was talking about church, and she said, oh, I used to be a Christian. I'm now Jewish. I said, really? Wow, that's fascinating. Like, why did you switch to that? Well, I met a guy that's Jewish, and he told me the Messiah's yet to come. I'm like, wow. And I started thinking, what made these people so readily depart from what they've been taught? And it's because they just heard it, but they didn't know truth in their heart. They had not built a relationship with Jesus themselves. Because I tell you, when you build that relationship with Jesus and you hear his voice, this world cannot tell you any differently. See, I know because in my own life, there was a point where I believed, but I didn't hear his voice. And I would come to church on Sundays and leave right after Sunday school. Or if I would stay for church, I would really, you know, hurriedly get out to go home and do the best next thing. And once, one day, I was at home, and I was, you know, had, I you know, prayed a quick prayer. And as I walked into my living room, my TV happened to be on. It was a preacher there. And he actually said something very, and some of you would say, well, that's judgmental. But it was what God wanted me to hear. He said, I, how dare you pray for things when you don't even have that relationship with God? And I stopped for a minute, and the Holy Spirit convicted me. and said, Karen, that's you. Have you heard my voice? Have you spent time with me? Have you sought me? And I started crying right in my living room. And I said, God, forgive me. And after that, I started getting up. And as we talked last week about spending time with God, I don't put a time limit on it. Start with five minutes. God wants to spend time with you. 
and he will show up. And I started getting up. It's like, Lord, I am going to change. And I started getting up and spending, like I said last week, a few minutes with Jesus and saying, Lord. And there were days where I would read some scripture and say, okay, I'm, I'm okay, God, I did it. I, I, I don't know what that accomplished because I didn't feel anything. And then there were times in my life when all of a sudden I would be going through something and that verse would pop up and I'm like, wow, thank you, Jesus. And then there were times I would be sitting there in my prayer time and as it started increasing, I heard his voice. I thought, wow, because I knew. I was one of those type of people. If you said God told me this, I'm like, yeah, she's like tired or something, you know, but God can speak and you can hear. In John 8, 31, 32, it says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold on to my teaching, you are really my disciple. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It is not up to Greg to make you Jesus' disciple. It is not up to Greg to make you know the truth. We come on Sundays. We are blessed to have a pastor that teaches us. But we are supposed to be spending time with God and hearing his voice. And to be courageous women, we need to start doing that. The fifth characteristic of having courage is expanding your horizons, letting go of the familiar. To have courage, we have to be willing to get out of our comfort zone. Lord Chesterfield, who was the fourth Earl of Chesterfield. I didn't know that. I looked that up when I saw this quote to see who said that. (laughs) He said, man cannot discover new oceans unless he has the courage to lose sight of the shore. Man cannot discover new oceans unless he has the courage to lose sight of the shore. In order to accomplish what God is calling us to do, we will need to be willing to be uncomfortable. You see, when I... I'm going to be open, and I'm going to tell these stories, and hopefully I'm going to just pray that we get all these points across. When I was growing up, I had an extreme fear of speaking out in public. I would get up in, at school and pet, be petrified in order to speak. I, you act, I'm telling you, I'm talking about shaking. When I started coming to church here, and Pastor and Sister Allison was leading everything and Sister Allison walked up to me and she said Karen I want you to teach joy bells they're 8 to 11 year olds I panicked and my heart started beating and I thought how do I tell her that I do not do this how do I tell her I I do not speak in front of people I don't care if they're kids I do not do this and I didn't say anything I said let me pray about it because you know that's a good answer right because then you come back and say no and then I'm like well I told her no Hey, whoop, I thought one off, right? So I said, let me pray about it. And I did pray about it, and I thought, you know what? They are kids. Maybe I could do this. So I stepped out and did it. I looked at her and tried to make excuses. I said, I will feel uncomfortable, and I'm going to feel scared. And I was right. I did. I looked at her and said, wait a minute. I'll mess up. And actually, sometimes I did. And I said, It's going to take extra time, and it absolutely did. But something happened during that time. As I began studying for the lessons, number one, I learned that never teach and take it lightly. God told me, I don't care if they're 8, 5, 12, 16, I don't care what age group, never teach and take it lightly. So I began to say, okay, Lord, I take this seriously. Help me. And I'm telling you, during those study times with God that I had to make myself sit down, okay, tomorrow I teach, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to study this. 
the growth that I had in my Christian walk was amazing. I began to hear God's voice more than ever before. And relationships I built with those little girls coming in here. These were girls that I don't know to this day whatever happened to them, but I can tell you, I have to believe I planted seeds. And the blessings that came from that. But it took stepping out into an area that I was petrified in order for all that to happen. Psalms 34:19 says, "The righteous persons may have troubles." I'm sorry, I'm not like this thought. Um, sorry, I read the wrong verse. Isaiah 43:19. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And I love Isaiah 42:16. He said, I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know, and paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them, knowing that God is with us. Concentrate on that verse. He has not forsaken us. When we step out into new places that God is calling us to step into, blessings will follow. There will be scary times, but that will draw you closer to him. The last step of courage is actually the hardest one. And when I read the article in that magazine, and they had this as the last one, I almost changed it. I'm like, this is the hardest step of all, God. I don't want to end on the hardest step of all, right? Because you want to end a lesson like, yay! And then when I saw this, I was like, oh... So I started to move it. And then something stopped me. I think it was the Holy Spirit. Because I thought, well, this Karen is when the rubber meets the road. This step tells it all. This step tells where we are. And it's facing suffering with dignity and faith. Now, remember at the beginning of last week's lesson, I told you my idea of a vacation is just on a sailboat sailing, let the wind take me. I don't want to climb a mountain. I don't want to jump out of a plane. Well, actually, I would do that, actually. That's my bad dreams. But most of the thing, I want smooth sailing. But I'm willing to suffer. And that's a biggie. The hardest fact about having courage is that we need to be willing to suffer while knowing there is purpose in the midst of pain. And when you think about it, courageous people, I think about skiing off a mountain. Those people are willing to get hurt. Those people, before they ski off that mountain and do flips, if you see those extreme sports that I'm thinking, how can you be so courageous? It's because they're willing to get hurt in order to do it. Think about it. So are we willing to suffer to be these mighty women of courage? I'm going to read, I hope you don't mind me reading some parts of this book, um, but it just says it so well. I've taught actually a lesson off this book. I'd love everybody to read it. It's called Through the Eyes of a Lion, and it's written by Levi Lusko. Levi is a pastor of a pretty mega church. I think it's in Colorado or California. It's been a while since I've read this book. But on Christmas Eve, as he was getting ready, he had prepared his message for his next sermon, which is going to be, you know, the Christmas sermon. He leaves to go shopping with his wife, 
and he gets a call that his six-year-old, who had never really been sick before, dies of her first asthma attack. Well, as he reaches the hospital, thinking that maybe she's still alive, they find out that she's passed away. And if you ever want want to have courage when something powerful, to me, that is the ultimate. Do I have courage to walk with Jesus when this has happened to me? And then I read this book, and I'm like, wow, Lord, that's what I wanted. Just, you think it's not a depressing book. It is an uplifting book. But as the man goes back to his car, there is a whole stack of cards that his little, she was five or six, I think she was five, she loved to hand out cards and invite people to church. And there was a whole stack in the car. And his wife looked over at him and said, you know what we have to do? We have to go in there and give that to the doctors and the nurses. And the pastor said, you're kidding me, right? We just kissed her goodbye. And she said, that's her legacy. That's what she did all the time. She would, the little girl would take them in her little purse, like her little pay purse, and she would hand them out at grocery stores. So they literally ran into the hospital and looked at all the nurses and the doctors. And the pastor said, I don't know if I could, we're going to be able to preach after this, but I, we will have service, and I invite you to church. And people came, and people got saved. And he preached. And so I wanted to read an excerpt because he says it so well. Um, I hope it's not too lengthy, but it's just powerful what we've been talking about today. It says, God has destined you for an impact. There are great things he wants to accomplish through you. You have unique and a powerful voice. As long as you have breath in your lungs, there is a microphone in your hands. How you use the platform you've been given is your choice every single day. Pain is a microphone. And it, the more it hurts, the louder you get. Suffering isn't an obstacle to being used by God. It is an opportunity to be used like never before. The truth we left off the pages of Scripture again and again and again. Joseph suffered for years as a prisoner for crimes he didn't commit, but it only made him louder. In the end, he was raised to the right hand of Pharaoh and put in a position to save the lives of his brothers who tried to kill him. Esther went through unspeakably difficult trials of becoming an orphan when both her parents died. Yet, her adoption by Mordecai set into motion the events by which she would become queen of Persia and prevent a holocaust. David was forced to go on the run. David was homeless, living in and out of caves in the wilderness. And yet it was in those caves that he poured his heart to God in worship. His greatest praise came from his darkest days. There are two reasons why your volume gets louder, his life gets harder. First, when you're going through a great time of trial, people around you tend to get quieter. Their voices hush out of respect. Smart people walk on tiptoe around hearts that are on fire. See, when you're a Christian and you're going through a great time of difficulty, you will notice that those around you who don't know Jesus, especially those that you have shared with, they will lean in extra close. Their ears perk up. They want to see if what you have advertised is going to be proven true in this product demonstration. You told them that Jesus is the light of the world. Well, now your power cord has been cut, and they want to see if you can glow in the dark. You told them that Jesus is the anchor for your soul. 
He is the solid rock you can stand on. Now everything around you is given away, and they want to find out if you're going to sink in the sand. If they do see you, your claims proven to be true, you will find a greater willingness on their part to trust Christ in their own lives. The second reason your volume gets louder when life gets harder is because in trials, you can hear God better. Why is that? It's because he draws closer. That's what we find in Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. C.S. Lewis wrote, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And the nearer he is, the better we can hear him and the more we can do for him. But are we willing to get there? Because if you're like me, it's like, ouch. You know, we were talking about like last week when I was talking about exercise and people say no pain, no gain, but how much pain we talk about? <laughs> like seriously. Like, I'm just being honest. Like, but see, we need to remember there's reason for the suffering. If God's allowing it, he has not abandoned us, but there's a purpose in it and a plan in it. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all trouble so that we can comfort those in trouble that we ourselves have received from God. Romans 5, 3, and 4 says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. So number one, remember that there's reason for the suffering. Number two, remember that God is with you during the suffering. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from all of them. Psalms 34, 19. He is with you during the suffering. You do not walk through anything alone. And yes, there will be days when you do not feel his presence. There will be days that you do not think he's hearing a single prayer you have prayed. But that's when you say, but I know, but I know, but I know. And you hold on. And the next thing to remember is God will restore you after the suffering. Peter 5 and 10 says, And the God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. You might feel broken, but our loving God does not leave you that way. It's his promise. And the next thing to remember is our pain doesn't compare to the blessings that we're going to receive. Romans 8, 18 says, I consider that our present suffering are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Romans 8 and 18. We got to remember what's ahead. Last week we talked about, I read the verse where it says, Christ endured the cross because of what was before him. He was suffering so bad, but he looked at what was before him. What is going to happen after it's over? How he's going to get to spend eternity with each of us who put our trust in him. 
That's what gave Jesus his love for us, his vision of what was ahead. That's what gave him that, that, that power to stay on the cross, his love for us and seeing us in heaven and seeing what's going to happen afterwards. And whatever we go through, we need not to look at our little box. We need to look at what's ahead. What's ahead? God, I don't know this purpose. I don't know why this is happening, but I know you've got something ahead. And I'm trusting that. Everything in life takes courage, and we see it so much in the secular world. Starting a new business. I see people starting a new business. That takes courage. You, you have to be courage, have courage to know I'm going to take this step whether I fail or not. Standing up for righteousness. It takes a willingness too, doesn't it? To be ridiculed, to be made fun of, to be mighty, courageous overcomers that God has called us to do. We have to get to the point where we love Jesus so much we're willing to suffer if it is part of his plan. So I need to ask myself, do I really want to be courageous? Do I want to release that warrior that God has instilled in me, and I promise you, he's emplaced a warrior in each of us. He really has. He has not left us defenseless. It's not, we're not working towards these attributes to get there, to become that warrior. I have to ask myself, while I work on choosing to act in the midst of fear, well, I will have to pray that the Lord increases my passion for the things that I need to be courageous for. I need to stand up for what is right, to be willing to let go of the familiar and be willing to suffer. I need to be determined that I will persevere to the end and watch as God does great things in between. If we can accomplish all these things, and again, let's just repeat the six attributes, feeling fear yet choosing to act. Following your heart, being full of passion, persevering in the face of adversity, standing up for what's right, expanding your horizons and letting go of the familiar, and the hardest of all, facing suffering with dignity and faith. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, Lord, Lord, I just ask God, Give us all these attributes. Lord, they're so different in different ways, God, but we need each and every one. Lord, we need to love you with our whole heart, mind, and soul. God, I just pray that you will rise up warriors, God, in this day, that we will become mighty warriors for you, Lord, for our children, for our grandchildren, Lord, for our husbands, God. Lord, make it rise up in us, Lord, where we have a desire, Lord, to do your will. Rather, to be fight with a loud voice, to be silent in a prayer closet, God. Lord, you give us wisdom and discernment, Lord, how to accomplish this. Lord, I just pray that as we end this lesson, Lord, that it will not die away. Lord, let your word not go out void, God. Let the enemy not snatch it away, Lord, but let us become determined women, Lord, to seek your face, to rise up, Lord, to the, to the things that you're calling us to do in these last days. Lord, I just pray that you will speak to us. Lord, unstop our ears to hear. God, let us be walking through the day and hear your voice, or rather to go right or to left, Lord. 
Lord, let us, Lord, be strong to be seekers of you. Lord, we ask this in your precious holy name. We await, Lord, what is ahead. We await the, we await the victories, God, that is going to come to pass with all we walk through. Lord, and we praise you for that. We praise you for what's ahead. And we give you the praise, the glory, and worship your mighty name.